Hello and welcome to the Rock Lives Here podcast. I'm your host, Scott Smith. If you've been tuning into Rock Lives Here Radio, then thank you very much. I really appreciate the support. You'll really find these podcast episodes a great way to catch any chats that you might have missed with all the great artists that are featured on Rock Lives Here. If you're new to Rock Lives Here, then head on over to rocklivesheer.com.au to stream the best thing you've never heard in rock radio here in Australia. You can also download the app via Google or Apple App Store. Also, definitely keep up to date by subscribing to the Rock Lives Here mailing list and following Rock Lives Here on all the usual social media channels. All the links for those in the show notes below and over at rocklivesheer.com.au. When Melodic Rockfest was announcing their lineup for 2020, one band that I was personally hoping would make a return was Melbourne Rockers Tear Gas a band who played on the 2016 Melodic Rock Fest lineup and a, and a band who especially holds some special memories for me over the past 16-odd years in the Melbourne rock scene. Back in 2004, I think it was, when um, I first saw them, they were supporting Jeff Scott Soto on his uh, awesome Australian tour. And at a time when Melodic Rock was, I guess, far from the in thing in, in terms of... Uh, where it is now, it may not still be the in thing, but there's definitely a lot more bands playing melodic rock than there were back in 2004. Tear Gas really built up a cult following, I guess, amongst the local melodic and hard rock scene with their brand of melodic rock that was uh, influenced by some great bands such as Early Bon Jovi, which you'll hear um, Al talk about in this forthcoming interview. I guess the guys have, you know, been relatively active in different musical projects over the past 15 years, which uh, we'll hear a little bit about in the in the interview. But here in 2020, we're getting the best of both worlds. They've just released a cracking new song, Make Up Your Mind, that's available on all the usual streaming platforms, primarily Spotify. And we also get another set of their powerful melodic rock at Melodic Rock Fest, whether there will be more shows in the tear gas uh you know, in tear gas 2020, who knows, but uh, let's hope we can coax them out for an, another show or two. But anyway, I recently caught up with uh, frontman Al Gammy to talk the past, present and future of tear gas. So here we go. My interview with Al Gammy from tear gas. How much convincing did it take you guys to, to get on the lineup this year, given you played, you know, in 2016 and sort of haven't really been active in, in those years? It was, it was basically zero convincing, to be honest. Um, you know, as soon as, as, soon as we, uh, we heard about it, you know, I thought, oh, like, I hope we, I hope we get asked. And, you know, when the emails come. So, um, you know, that was awesome. We we're, were very keen to be part of it again. The last one was great. Like, it was you know, obviously a bit smaller last time. Um, it was the first time testing the waters for a festival like that on Australian shores. And, you know, look, it made sense. A lot of our old friends that we used to play with back in the day, they were all on the on the lineup there. And, um, you know, look, we, we were never a big band by any stretch, but, you know, we had our, our small little stretch of time there. And, like, I guess you can say that we had, like, a bit of a cult status. There was a bit of a buzz around the band back then. And luckily for us, people still remember us and they remember you know have, have really good feelings about that period of time you know from sort of 2002 through to like you know 05 06 where we, we had a good run and we used to you know get some pretty good crowds locally um so yeah i mean luckily there's enough people that still get a bit excited to see us and you know we're way more excited to to get in front of those people and place them 
And uh, as you said there, there was obviously 2016, which was a, a great initial lineup. And 2020, as that lineup kept getting and, you know, sort of announced um, and bands and we're like, wow, you know, kind of how, how many days is this festival going to be? You know, kind of who's, who's going to be the headliner? And it's a, it's a good, it's a great size lineup, isn't it? With a lot of obviously big names. Yeah, it actually surprised me, to be honest. Um, you know, like I only had a frame of reference from the last festival and that was great, don't get me wrong. Um, but yeah, it's just bigger and better and kept getting bigger and better. And like then all of a sudden, you know, Firehouse <laughs> comes, comes in, uh, in the headliner and, you know, everyone was kind of speculating who'd be the headliner. And, you know, that, that's you know, a band that had a, you know, a lot of success back in the day. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be front and center singing uh, Finally Found the Love of a Lifetime. <laughs> Before we dive into a bit more of um, TGAS, I was, yeah, curious there to see. So Firehouse, you're obviously... Uh, you know, front and center with who else on the lineup for you personally? Uh, you know, some bands that you've never seen before that uh, you're looking forward to um, getting the opportunity to finally uh, see perform live. Yeah, look, I'm really keen to see, and I know it's only acoustic, but Kip Winger I think will be awesome. I have, I have seen Winger once before when they came out with Rap in Australia you know, 10 or so years ago. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm a massive, massive Winger fan and I'm a huge admirer of Kip Winger's musicianship and um, all his songwriting and all the stuff he's done. So that's definitely, um, you know, that's right up there for me. Um, in addition, to, in addition to that, you know, it looks like there's quite a bit. To be honest, I love Tony Harnell. I'm a huge TNT fan. Um, you know, that'll be that'll be unreal. Paul Lane's great, uh, and there's a lot of good local talent as well. You know, our friends, uh, the guys on the radio, Sun, they they always turn it on. They always put on a really good show. BB Steel last time um, at the festival in '16. Man, they're so good. That that album of theirs, that's that's real like you know, got that real death leopard sound about it. Um, I never really heard it that much back in the day, but then seeing them live, um, that's definitely a band I want to check out again. Tear gas for those that haven't uh, maybe haven't heard you guys before, or or those that weren't at 2016 Melodic Rockfest. Um, how would you describe what Tear Gas is all about? Uh, Tear gas is all about power and melody. Really, it's um, you know, I, I think. There's a, um, you know, it's soaring melodic hooks is what we're really big on. We wanted every moment to be melodic, but we want there to be that crunching double guitar assault. Um, I really always kind of thought, you know, that you can, we wore our influences on our sleeves, but we kind of did our own thing with it. You know, you can hear a little bit of that early Bon Jovi, which was definitely a big, big influence on me, um, you know, when I was in my teens. Um, Yeah, but then there's piece of docking in that guitar playing, you know, Kyle's massively George Lynch influenced. Um, so we sort of had that attack of docking. I feel like, it, you know, it's Bon Jovi, but a little, a little bit more, you know, aggressive is probably not the right word, but like, you know, just there's that unpredictability and a bit of a viciousness, I think, to our guitar sound, but mm. the, the, melody, the melodies were, were always there. And, you know, we were, we were super young when we first came onto the scene, so it was a little bit unrefined, <laughs> I think, you know, in hindsight, but that was the charm about it. And yeah, yeah, listened, definitely. Yeah, when I listen to the old stuff now, yeah, it's like it's like looking at your baby photos a little bit, and you know, there's some moments where you kind of go, eh, but for the most part, you know, that that energy and unpredictability, like I can see why everyone really liked it back then. And at the time, you didn't really have that sense, but looking back, um, you know, now I'm very nostalgic about it, and I'm extremely proud of it. And you know, it's it's, it's an honour to be able to be in a position where we can still get up and and play those songs for people again. But yeah, I think it's really just about that combination of of you know of, of big wall guitars and um, you know and, and those soaring melodic hooks coming from the vocals. 
you were you guys were young when you started. It was back in two thousand and you know whatever early two thousands. Uh, you know, it was yeah, probably oh one. We were in year twelve. Was really yeah. where we got serious. Yeah. You know, thing that I'm curious about of uh, you guys at, at that age in, in in that time period when music was all over the place. Sort of yeah. What were you mentioned there, Bon Jovi? But was that sort of one of the, the key mm. things with that sound and what you know kind of drove you to to have that real melodic uh, rock sound in those early days? Sure, yeah. I mean, it was definitely a different time. Like nowadays, everyone's on the 80s vibe and everyone mm. listening to that stuff and with Spotify and iTunes, it's all really accessible. But yeah, back in like the late 90s, early 2000s, when we were vibing on all that stuff, it was, um, yeah, we were sort of the outcasts a little bit. And like, you know, in all honesty, I, you know, I always listen to a lot of different stuff and I'm still like that to this day. I don't just listen to, you know, classic melodic rock. Um, and at the time, you know, you had stuff going on around like Slipknot, which I kind of liked, and Marilyn Manson and that sort of thing I was into when I was in high school. So I was into that, but um, what happened was I sort of went through this little phase where uh, I was really getting back into the music that I remember seeing when I was six, seven years old. Uh, you know, I'd turn on Rage on a Saturday morning and there'd be Alice Cooper and Motley Crue and Bon Jovi and that sort of thing. And, and back then, the first albums I bought when I was that young, because I was just hooked on music from an early age and my dad was a guitarist, so there was always classic rock in the house. Um, but I remember really... Uh, getting back into all those albums, those first albums I bought, you know, Doc, Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood and Alice Cooper, Trash. And I went and revisited it and I just realized that I fell back in love with that sound. And then it just sort of, I sort of went on a little bit of a, um, you know, like down the rabbit hole for a while there. And um, I remember my, my dad's, uh, my dad's wife at the time, she was really, you know, she's a bit younger than him and she was, you know, a child of the 80s and she had this cassette collection and there was like White Snake 1987 and, um, you know, and all that good stuff. And so I was getting right into that. And I was, just, I was really far down the rabbit hole and I was reading Metal Sludge and, you know, getting to know all these bands, you know, like getting into Wasp and getting into Dokken and, um, and discovering that style of music. And I went to school with... Um, with Kyle and Nick and Andy, um, who were all members of Tear Gas. So at that time, I was just, you know, turning them on to that music. And Kyle was always a big student of guitar. So since he was 12 or 13, and, you know, everything from Jimi Hendrix to, um, you know, that sort of classic blues type style initially, but then he sort of started going down the guitar rabbit hole, and that led him to, you know, Paul Gilbert and Mr. Big, which is, you know, still one of his biggest influences, if you ask him. Um, and you know Eddie Van Halen, obviously, and um, you know, and all that kind of '80s shred stuff in Gay Malmsteen. And so we were both massively, massively inspired by that that classic sound and anything that had that '80s sound, that big kind of washed out reverb and the big choruses and um, and crunchy guitar solos, because it was so different to what was going on musically at the time. Um, you know, we just really loved that escape to be able to go and listen to music that was so different. Um, to any everything else that was around us, and that that rubbed off on our music. And like I said before, everyone's on the '80s vibe now, and there's heaps of bands that have that kind of classic sound. But in you know 2000 2001, nobody was doing it. It was really uncool, and we would go and play you know um, with bands that sounded like you know Soulfly and yeah. stuff like that. Um, you know, we'd be on these bills, and they'd be like, "What is this?" You know, like <laughs> uh, we really stood out like sore But the people who liked it like really, really appreciated it, and. They could see even at that age when we were, you know, 18, 19 years old, that, you know, like we really worked hard on our musicianship and we really tried to, 
um, tried to tried to bring something uh, unique and different. Um, and that just you know that was just the music we loved. I love melodies. I love songwriting. Uh, you know, my favorite band of all time is Journey, and it's just all about. It's all about the songs, um, and we, and that's that's all I've ever been about, to be honest. Whether that's in a melodic rock context, or whether I'm listening to you know extreme metal, which I do sometimes, or um, you know getting into you know Bruce Springsteen, um, you know it, it's all all about those melodies for me, and just a really nice vibe. And you mentioned there about extreme metal, which uh, sort of ties in nicely. And you sort of spoke of some of the uh, the band members, and that's what's been great uh, following the Instagram page, um, where, as you said, you have mm-hmm. been on that you know sort of bit of that nostalgia trip and posting up a whole bunch of awesome photos that bring back a lot of memories from gigs that uh, you know that that many of us uh, were at that are you know the Tigas fans. So, in terms of two thousand and twenty, um, you know you've got obviously yourself uh, on vocals, and I guess recently. You know, you're being, you're still active musically with uh, with two and end. You released a, yep. an album last year, so is that uh, you know is that a, an ongoing uh, ongoing project for you or not project but band for you in terms of? Uh... Actually, I've, I've kept it pretty quiet, I think, but um, I actually left two and end okay. uh, not that long ago. Yeah, okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. I mean, that was a really good project, and that was you know with a long time friend of mine. Um, and I've, I've been singing on demos for him for, you know, like on and off over the last 10 years. And he finally wanted to put all those songs down on an album. And of course, you know, I sang on all the demos, so I made sense for me to sing on the album. Um, I wasn't, to be honest, uh, I felt like being out there playing in a band that's playing every week was kind of something I was done with. Yep. Um, and, you know, like, uh, but I wanted to help him out. And, and it, did, it did interest me to go out there and, and and play live music for a little while, but stylistically, it probably wasn't my my first preference of the kind of music that I wanted to make. I love my metal, don't get me wrong, and yeah. and that was a metal project, but it was a much more modern sort of sound. Whereas, you know, these days, I you know, I really like my classic metal, Judas Priest and um, Iron Maiden, and you know, I really like some of that more rough stuff like Celtic Frost and um, yeah, and Venom and things like that. So uh, it wasn't really that really clean sort of punchy modern metal sound wasn't really what I wanted to do anymore. So you know, we split on on good terms, but you know now I just want to really be able to pick up tear gas here and there whenever everyone's got time, which is almost never. But <laughs> you know, I, I feel like in the future we can. Um, you know, we can, we can circle back when there are nice festivals on like this and, and do you know, a couple of shows here and there for fun. I feel like I don't, I don't really see that we're necessarily going to have the kind of time to be able to do a full album. Yeah. I, I would hope maybe one, one day we get around to it. But, um, you know, like we've got this single coming out, um, you know, we've got a, another song in the can as well that we'll put out at some point. Um, and, you know, we, we, we can just do singles here and there. You know, we're, like there's not really a plan. We can just see what happens. Mm. And I guess that's the beauty of, uh, you know, music here in the 2020s where you can, you know, you can do that, um, as you said, when, when time allows. And, uh, yeah, it's very liberating because we're, we're all, you know, older now and we've got families and, and jobs and responsibilities and it's pretty hard. I mean, even now we were just talking, you know, we've got a group chat for us and we're working out when we're going to do our rehearsals for Melodic Rock Fest and, you know, it's very, very difficult to get everybody free, five guys on, on one day, um, you know, to, to do it once, let alone to, you know, have four or five rehearsals. So, but, um, you know, that said, we'll, we'll make sure we sound good. So you've got, uh, you've obviously got Kyle, Kyle playing, who's now a, a jazz virtuoso guitar player, isn't he? He's, he's, he's extended his virtuoso, virtuoso-ness, yeah, really so to speak, <laughs> to another level. Yeah, like I said, 
like I said, he, he, he's a student of the guitar and he always has been as long as I've known him, which is since we were 12 years old. Um, and yeah, of course, like it's not tear gas without Kyle, if you ask me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested in doing it without him there. Um, it's, you know, he's a huge part of the sound, always was. Um, you know, we had that kind of, if you ask me, that, that, that front man, lead guitarist, you know, combination was, you know, was, was pretty pivotal. Um, and for me, you know, like he's, he's been my musical soulmate. I have been in bands without him, but, um, you know, it's, it's never really the same, to be honest. Like it's, it's, you know, to look to my left and see Kyle just, um, you know, that's, that, that's how it was since I was 12 or 13. And so it's kind of weird when he's not there. Um, but for, you know, for TIA, yeah, of course, like it, it's something, it all brings up the warm and fuzzies for us. We're all very proud of the band and we're, um, like I've said a couple of times now, we're very happy that there's still an audience that somewhat cares about us. Um, and so, yeah, of course, he's all over it. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit different for him. Nowadays, he's playing gypsy jazz, so he's on the acoustic. You know, like pretty, I don't know if he's picked up an electric since 2016. Yeah, okay. But he assures me he started to you know, pick up the, the Ibanez and, you know, it's old hat. You know, we've played yeah. these songs so many times back in the day that they just burned into our brains. So it won't take us long to, to get back up to snuff. And you got a rhythm section of Steve Cox and Ian Hoogland on drums. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yes, again, like Steve, can't imagine doing it without him. Um, you know, he, he's, the, he's the bass player right through all those like, the glory days of, of Tiergas. Um, and, you know, he brings so much energy. And you've seen him live a number of times, Scotty. And, um, you know, he brings a really important component to our sound. And he's rock solid. Like, he just sits in that pocket locks in with the drums even you know back in the day when we weren't the tightest of bands you know we're pretty loose i feel like steve made it a whole lot better than it could have been um just by really laying it down um but you know he like brings that energy enthusiasm he's great you know going out and talking to all the people in the audience before and after the show um and you know he's just a, an amazing friend for many many years so yeah that little that nucleus is pretty important and which is you know people forget yeah, he wasn't the drummer during that, that story period, but he joined us in 2006. So he's been the longest serving drummer of this band, even though we've been inactive for most of those years. Um, yeah, he's very much part of the Tear Gas family and Nick, Nick doesn't play drums anymore. Um, still a very good friend with Nick. You know, I'll be seeing him on the weekend. Um, you know, he'll be at my wedding and, mm. um, you know, and, he, and he's, he's a huge part of the Tear Gas story, but he just doesn't play anymore. So it's, it's not something that he was, he was up for. And uh, <clears throat> sorry, this will uh, tie in something I was going to talk about shortly. But uh, I guess when Luch joined the band in 2006, that was, uh, you know, no doubt a bit of an interesting time because I guess that's when uh, you were in the uh, in in your dark obsession uh, phase, so to speak. Yeah, I actually sort of gl- like sort of. I was expecting you to, to ask this actually, and it's great because not that, not that many people do. But once in a while, I get a question about it. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a very interesting time, and like now looking back uh, with, with a more you know, uh, in hindsight, look, it probably should have been a different project. It should have, we, um, you know, we were very hell-bent on a new musical style and Kyle and I were listening to, you know, a lot more metal and a lot more modern stuff. Um, and we just didn't really want to do the 80s vibe anymore. But I think what we should have done is just started a new band because we didn't have any desire to play any of the old tear gas material anymore. Um, and that's what we did. We went out and we just played all the Dark Obsession stuff um, and some of the new stuff we've been working on, and we just abandoned that crazy era, and you know, and that abandoned 
a lot of a lot of our fans and a lot of our fans abandoned us. So, you know, big learning experience because we built such a good audience and then we you know, we kind of alienated them. Um, but it's not something I would do again. Um, you know, I think tear gas tear gas is what it is and what people remember is that that, that sound of the crazy lineup. Uh, and so I think anything that's tear gas related that comes out now, so like our new song or like anything that comes out in the future, it's got to be true to to what um, the spirit and essence of that original tear gas sound is. And the Dark Obsession was very experimental. Um, I don't like the way the EP sounds sonically that much. I think it's really compressed and um, it's a bit messy. And I actually had a cold when I recorded my vocals, but we're on such a tight time schedule that I couldn't I couldn't get back in with the producer to um, to redo my vocals. So I, whenever I hear it, which isn't very often, but um, yeah, it's just it's, it's very disjointed. It's very Jekyll and Hyde. There's lots of influences coming from all these different directions. Um, I find it's pretty unfocused. But that said, there are moments on it um, that if it sounded better and it sounded different, there's moments on it that I think are really good. But we don't have people breaking down the doors wanting to hear uh, Bleeding Vengeance or um, Hearts of Darkness, you know? <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Um yeah, look, it, well, you know, it, it's kind of exactly as you were talking earlier. It's uh, you guys, I guess, were growing up in a musical sense. Um, so I guess you yeah, were part we of were your still young at that point. Yeah, we're absolutely. 20, 23, 24 years old. Like, we're still really young. Yeah, and, you know, you, you think of thinking through in life for those of us that are not necessarily musical, you know, the amount of different changes in, God, who knows, clothing, music, you know, the, the different types of music I've listened to. It's kind of, you know, it's no different. Absolutely. So, yeah. So yeah. Thing. And now uh, you've mentioned a few times, which uh, listeners will get to hear your amazing new song, Make Up Your Mind, um, after this interview. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely exactly as you mentioned early on. It's that that great combo there of power and melody. That's a yeah, killer song. What's uh, sort of what's the background to that? Is that recently written or is that being uh, been lying around for a little bit? Actually, been lying around for a little bit. So um, after we did Melodic Rock Fest in 2016, we did a couple of other shows on our own, and you know we, we got reacquainted with each other. We had a lot of fun doing those shows, and we sort of talked about, you know, look, none of us really have time to invest in an album, but could we do a song or two? And everyone was like, yeah, cool, of course we could. So there was this kind of an idea, but I didn't really do anything with it in 2016. But in 2017, I started you know, firing up Pro Tools and picking up the guitar and thinking, all right, well, look, you know, I could probably write some Tear stuff. And I probably wrote like a skeleton of maybe four songs. Um, and of those four, two of them turned out good. Um, and so I demoed them up and shared them with the guys. Everyone really liked the songs that we did. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we decided that we would go in and, and record them with, with the lineup that we took to Melodic Rock Fest in 2016. So... I really, I really thought it was important to, yeah, to capture what Tear Gas was all about in that, um, you know, 2004 type time. Um, and but that said, we've grown up a lot, so I wanted to bring a bit of a finesse to it. Um, and you know, something, you know, like that unpredictability of our early sound was really cool. Um, but you know, I just wanted to tighten it up a little bit, and you know, I, I feel like I'm a better songwriter these days. So a few little, you know, things, what little tricks and things I've picked up over the years, I can kind of make it a little bit more focused. Um, and you know, the song I think is a really focused song, but it's catchy. It's got all the hallmarks of that that classic tear gas sound, in in my opinion. Um, and you know, we're all better players now. So there's some there's, there's some really good playing. I think Kyle and Ant's lead playing on it. Um, you know, it just blows me away every time I listen to it, which, you know, absolutely smashes it. 
Um, you know, and, and you've got that Steve Cox baseline just holding everything together in the group. Mm. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm really proud of the song. I think, or I hope everyone's really going to love it. I think they will, and I, and I think that uh, here in 2022, like I, I feel like it's a song that you know has has could have a lot of reach as well. When you look at uh, you, you know when you look at modern rock, melodic rock um, bands like Heat and you know the, the Harem Scarum's latest single, and that I, I feel like yeah, you know there is there is a place, um, and you know obviously a lot more uh, you know a lot more widely widely listened to than say back in 2004 and five when, uh, as you said, you're a little, yeah. a little bit of the outcast, but now you know I feel well, like yeah, yeah yeah I feel like now there will, will you know there will be uh, a fair lot of people out there that once they get uh, you know once they get wind of the song and get to hear it um, will love it so. Yeah, I hope so. So it's just up to us to try and get it out to those people. And yeah, there is like a real, um, I guess, you know, it's a select audience that, that's into melodic hard rock and that, you know, that's aware of Heron Scarum, particularly in Australia. But, you know, globally, it's, it's a real rabid, passionate, um, amazing audience for this style of music. They really love their genre. Um, and, you know, I think this would be right up their alley. And yeah, I think it's, um, I'm definitely not going to put us in the same company as amazing bands like, like Heron Scarum, who, you know, I've, I've been a huge fan of for 20 years, um, or more even. But, uh, it's, you know, I think people who like that kind of music would definitely like what Tear Gas is all about in 2020. Yeah. And, and I feel like for me personally, I'm listening to less of melodic rock style music um, in the last year or two. And I think it's because a lot of it has become a little samey. And that's where I think yeah. bands like, you know, bands like Eclipse and uh, as I said, Harem Scarum or Heat, you know, those that are, are doing something a little different and have some of that power and, you know, but still melody are, are the ones I think that are, you know, at least for me anyway, standing standing out as just at something different rather than a lot of the, uh, you know, perhaps more European styled melodic rock yeah. that has become very... Uh, Kind of very samey, so yeah, totally agree. Yeah, have you ever thought of um, re-recording? Not that I'm saying you need to. Have you ever thought of re-recording that initial EP at all? Um, not, not really, to be honest. I think it's very much of its time. Mm. Um, I think if we were going to re-record it, um, yeah, it just wouldn't really have that that same vibe. And like I keep saying, that unpredictability. I don't think we could bring that to those songs now. It would. It would almost be a bit too clean and uh, and, and a bit too controlled nowadays. And you know, when we play it live, it's you know, it, it sort of takes on a new life of its own. But no, I think look, we're always going to play those songs live because everybody loves them, and you know, that's that, that's what everyone remembers us for. But um, I wouldn't re-record those specific songs on the Crazy EP. However, you know, there were a lot of songs that we used that used to be staples of our live set back in the day that we never actually got a chance to properly record. Mm. Um, and I would, I would definitely be up for, you know, if we ever got around to being able to do an album or even like an EP, uh, if we have that sort of time or if there's a label that's that's willing to, you know, to, get, to give us a bit of a push to do it. Um, yeah, there's, I think there's a, you know, a good handful of songs there that I would love to revisit, fix up a little bit and put out there. Um, songs that people who saw us back in the day might remember but haven't heard, you know, in 15, 16 years. And you haven't found any boxes or, or a box or any copies of the the EP lying around, have you, for uh, to, to sell at uh, Melodic Rock Fest? No, um, but I was actually talking to the guy the other day, to be honest, like um, maybe we should do like a little run or something at some mm. point because I think there'd probably be a few people who didn't get to pick it up back in the day that would be keen. Um, so yeah, that's, that's possibly something that, that's uh, on the agenda because we never did shirts either. Like we're thinking, man, we could do a few shirts and 
you know, see what happens. But um, yeah, look, we, we want to come out and do this show and do it well, and um, you know, and and I guess live yeah, up to the legacy. And then for people who never saw us back in the day that might have heard about us, heard people talk about us, so we're very much a word of mouth band. And, you know, people talk about, oh, I saw them back in the day when they opened for Jeff Scott Soto or Rise of Destruction and there's those shows that people kind of talk about. And I, you know, I'm out at gigs and I hear people, you know, come up to me that the stuff I'm always hearing. And, um, you know, and so for the people who have kind of heard about us, you know, could have got this cult sort of thing around us, I want to be able to show them what we're all about. And I think even though we're older, like, you know, you saw us in 2016, we still bring that energy that we brought Absolutely. back in the day. Yeah. You, know, we're, you know, you can put us on at midday, which, you know, we will be. I think that's the time we actually are on a melodic rock fest. Um, you know, we'll play like we're the last band of the night and everyone's everyone's been drinking all day and we'll get people moving. Yeah. And that's where we really pride ourselves on it and, and that's what we're going to bring. But yeah, hopefully we can, you know, yeah, it's something to look into, I think, you know, having some EPs for sale would be a really good idea. I better get onto it. Yeah, awesome. Now, look, I won't hold you off for too much longer, but you mentioned um, Brides of Destruction and Jeff Scott Soto there. Uh, encourage everyone listening to... Check out your Instagram page because there's a lot of great stories. But uh, who were the yeah. be- who were the better mentors for you back in the early days, Jeff Scott Soto or Nikki Six? <laughs> oh, look, Jeff Scott Soto, hands down. Um, for me, that that was such a good experience. I mean, uh, look, look, you know, all respect to Nikki Six, uh, Doctor Feelgood was, I think, the second album I ever bought. Um, loved the man, big Motley Crue fan, always was as a child. But um, you know, I literally got about. 10 seconds with him. Uh, I was able to shake his hand, tell him that Dr. Fielder was a really important album for me. He said, thank you. And that was it for them. We didn't cross paths yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. rest of the night. But with Jessica Soto, we hung out that whole tour. Like we would go out for dinner, we would go for drinks with them. Um, you know, we were hanging out backstage laughing. Uh, Jeff and his band would kind of give us little tips and tricks. And, you know, Kyle really hit it off with how he signed any guitarists. And I would, you know, don't talk about you know, I don't know what, what guitar nerds would talk about, you know, like <laughs> sweet arpeggios and gear and stuff. And, you know, Jeff was definitely a huge mentor. And, I mean, to this day, I still, you know, we exchange texts here and there. Um, you know, I saw him in 2014 at Sweden Rock and was able to catch up with him, have a really good catch up with him there. Um, you know, when I went over to the States, you know, a number of years ago, we, we hung out and went and saw Journey together. So it's amazing that he has wanted to still engage with me after all these years. Um, you know, like I, was, I was like 20, 21 years old when we did that tour. And um, yeah, he definitely took me under his wing. And I, I mean, watching a performer like that on stage every night, he's just seasoned. Um, he sounds so good. He looks so good. Um, he's running all over the stage. And while well, I've got a pretty different vibe as a singer and a front man, um, definitely learned the, the power of being able to engage an audience and, and, and really be like passionate about entertaining. Um, that was huge. And he was just such a nice guy. Always up for a chat. Um, always wants a, a, a laugh. He's the life of the party. He's, he's, he's a big personality, really charismatic. Um, and yeah, and look, he's a legend and I always follow his career. I'm, I'm really loving what he's doing at the moment with Sons of Apollo. I think their new album is potentially going to be one of the albums of the year. Uh, it's, it, you know, early signs. It, it's so great. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's, that's definitely probably like the top one or two experiences, um, of, of the, of the old school tea gas days. So that was a great tour. Great. And hopefully we will see him back, uh, in Australia, maybe next year. If uh, so. if there's a you know a return melodic rock fest, which I'm, I'm sure there will be, 
Well, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Well, Al, uh, make up your mind. We'll be uh, hearing that after the interview. So that, um, yeah, can't wait for people to get their ears around that song. That's going to be available on Spotify and obviously all the usual, uh, the usual places. I'm sure. That's it. It's out on Monday, so Monday the third. Um, so you know that'll be when people are hearing this. It's probably the next day. So yeah, jump, jump all over that. Um, we would love to hear people's thoughts on it. And yeah, like you said, the Instagram where you know it's a bit of a nostalgia center at the moment. We've got I got lots of photos in the vault, so we're going to keep <laughs> doling those out, doling those out over time. And you know, and I'm trying to accompany you know most of the photos, if not all of them, with a little story, a little tidbit from back in the day. Um, it'll be insight to you know to what was happening back in those days, what our thought processes were like, and you know it, it was a really fun time, and we we're really keen to go back and kind of you know, <laughs> and for lack of a better expression, relive some of our past glory. Excellent. Well, look, Al, thanks very much for your time. It's been great to have a chat. Great to relive a lot of uh, a lot of really great musical memories for me. And yeah, can't wait to see you guys at Melodic Rockfest in March. Thanks for all the support over the years, Scotty. We will never forget that you were there right from the beginning. So um, yeah, we can't wait to see you rocking out at the front, singing along. Not a problem at all. We'll catch you then. All right, mate. Alrighty, catch ya. See ya. Catch ya. Well, if you want to check out more cool chats, then head on over to rocklivesheer.com.au for all the past episodes. Would also love it if you shared this episode with your fellow rock-loving fans, whether they be here in Australia or around the world. Don't stop believing, and I'll catch you in the next episode. (laughs) 